As I was sitting over there this morning, I couldn't get away from that dream, and I hadn't thought about that dream all week that I can think of, that I remember. She dreamt it, on, I think, on Monday or Sunday night, and I hadn't thought about it again, and it's like the Lord kept bringing it to me over and over and over again, and uh, I really felt like the dream was saying that when we know who we are, we can release. We can release someone who has been bound. Someone that has been proclaimed something else than what they are because they were going to write a death sentence over me. And she took the sticker and she tore it up and she said, you're free to go. If it wasn't that, she wouldn't have had that authority to release me. And then, you know how the enemy always does? He tries to write over you without God. But she kept jumping up and down, saying that I am a child of God. I am a child of God. And it was that present truth in the dream that when he tried to kill her, it actually hurt him. It didn't hurt her. When the enemy tries to take a shot at you and you know who you are, and regardless of what he tries to proclaim, you know the truth. He has no ability to harm you because the Lord is the one who stands guard over you. And the scripture says, if God be for us, who can be against us? The same confession that she made when she was jumping up and down saying, I am a child of God, I'm a child of God. That same confession that she made, I thought it was beautiful because she came out of that place and she was in a store and everybody had aged. And she said that she was tired in the store and she was going to lay down. And as she went to fall asleep, she looked at her hand and it was old and she said, that I am a child of God. We know sleeping with the Lord is just you go to sleep and you wake up somewhere else. <laughs> it's the reality that death really has lost its sting and the grave really did lose its victory. That Jesus conquered hell, death, and the grave. And because he conquered it, the scripture says that I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me. He was the conqueror that made us conquerors. So the hell, death, and the grave that Jesus, that he overthrew, that he defeated, there's people defeating it every single day. And people think, well, we lost them. They're not lost if they're in Christ. They were found once. <laughs> and they'll never be lost again. <laughs> we will never be lost. See, the scripture says that at one time we were enemies with God, alienated in our minds because of wicked works. But then it says, now has he reconciled us through the blood of his own son, that you who were at one time enemies, separate from God, we're no longer separate from God. There's nothing that the enemy can do to separate us. But what he tries to do is he tries to produce strongholds because he'll give you a label. And only if you buy it can he do anything. 
See, he has no potential to harm you unless you give voice and believe the lies that he's speaking. The enemy, he's not all-powerful, neither has he ever been. <laughs> if he was all-powerful, he would have killed Abraham before Jesus. He would have killed Moses, the one who was going to free God's children, beforehand, and he tried very, very hard. And so much that they were killing all newborn male babies. The enemy isn't all-knowing, neither is he all-seeing. He doesn't know everything, and he doesn't see everything. He's spiritually dead. He's confined to the restrictions of something that is spiritually dead. He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere all the time. He's not all-knowing. He sent. He was working through a king. The king sent soldiers into Bethlehem to kill all the children under the age of two because Satan was trying to kill the Messiah. He just didn't know who it was. And so much that I honestly believe when he's telling Jesus, if you be the Son of God, he's actually still kind of unsure because he was the spirit that manipulated the snake to deceive Eve. And there's a scripture in Genesis that says, you shall bruise his heel and he shall crush your head. Referring to a deliverer that was going to come. Born of a woman's seed. Women don't have seed. Men carry the seed. It's specifically referring to Jesus. Satan had been trying to crush this Messiah since those words were given. And if you think I'm wrong, the scripture says, had the rulers of this world knew, <laughs> they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. He's a flesh devil. He's spiritually dead. He's disconnected from the life of God and you've been connected to the life of God. That's why it says in the book of Colossians that we've been translated or transferred out of the power of darkness. That means its ability to harm us into the kingdom of God's dear son. The enemy has no more power over us because God is for us. And the scripture says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And I get that picture. Heather jumping up and down saying that I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I will never be without God. At one time I was, I was powerless and without God in the earth at one time. But because of the blood of Jesus, I am no longer powerless or without God. Now I am more than a conqueror because the strength of Christ lives in me. I got a well that is strength inside of me and I can draw upon it literally anytime I want. And so can you. There's no such thing as a weak Christian because there's not a weak Christ. We're only held captive 
to the degree that we believe the lie or embrace a lie. Because we limit ourselves because Christ is unlimited. That's why he would say all things are possible to him who believes that nothing shall be impossible. That you shall say to the fig tree just because it didn't have fruit and you were hungry, be cursed and dried up. Did Jesus come to destroy fig trees? No, he didn't. But the fig tree that was supposed to produce for its maker refused to bear fruit. And he said, be instant in season and out of season. This is the word of God. This is us. We're instant in and out of season. When God gives us a word, be empowered to run with it. Say it every day. Like when I took the offering last week, I've been quoting Psalms 35, verse 27 and 28 that let them shout for joy. Me and Heather just practiced shouting yesterday in the car, and if you would have seen us, you would have thought we were super crazy because we were shouting. I said, let's do it. Let's shout. Let's shout for joy and be glad because we favor his righteous cause. Let us say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which delights in our prosperity. (laughs) I say it numerous times a day because I believe it. It's the one thing that will accomplish what it's sent to do. Coupled with the Holy Spirit, the Scripture becomes God-breathed when it comes out of our mouth. Because it's a living word, which means that it lives inside of you, so the same life that it carried when it was spoken to the prophet is the same life that it carries when you prophesy as a prophet the prophet of your own life. You can be just like Abraham. You can call those things that be not as though they were. None of us have to stagger at the promises of God through unbelief. We can all be strong in the faith. The situations that Abraham was facing were impossibilities, but it says that he never staggered. It doesn't mean he didn't miss it. (laughs) We know he missed it. He was led by another voice that actually sounded good, but it wasn't God. Because Sarah couldn't conceive in her own mind how she could conceive a baby. Because they've tried. So maybe it's God's will for us to do it this way. Abraham wasn't in unbelief when he slept with Hagar. I don't know if most, the majority of people know that, but he wasn't. He did it in faith. It was just misguided. But even misguided faith, God can still correct. God can still bring into alignment. Because you guys have heard me say before that I never missed it in unbelief. <laughs> I never like was unbelieving and said, well, I'm just going to do this and I know it's not God. No, every time I missed it, I missed it in faith. So God was able to fix it because it was done in faith, even though I missed it. He told me that there's nothing that I do that he can't fix. (laughs) I tell you what, that will liberate you that will liberate you into freedom. So even when you're acting in faith, you're doing everything you can do in faith and you're believing that God, 
If I miss it, you can fix it. Not intentionally missing it. Neither will I try to intentionally miss it. I'm listening to the voice of God and I'm learning to hear better than I ever have. And in order to learn to hear better than you ever have, you sometimes you have to do stuff you've never done. And it's super uncomfortable. Sometimes you have to practice hearing, and sometimes you have to practice doing. And the practicing doing really isn't that much fun when you miss it. <laughs> you want to hide and act like it never happened. <laughs> but they're essential to growth. God will never invest something in us that He doesn't plan to produce through us. Does that make sense to you? See, we were the first investment that heaven made. God created humanity. God invested Himself in humanity. I don't know if the majority of creation or people realize this, but God didn't just create earth for us. He wasn't just invested in earth. He was invested in humanity. God gave us the earth, but He also gave us Himself. He invested everything that He was into humanity so that through that investment, we could actually inherit everything that He is. Before He ever created man, He dreamed of the day that He would get to fellowship with us. It was a dream in his mind being able to fellowship with his creation on his level. So he said, let us make man in our likeness and in our image. Let him have dominion over all the works of our hands. He doesn't do that to angels. He doesn't do that to animals. He only does that to man because man is in the God class. Man is in the God class. Man fell out of the God class and fell into a actually lower than angel class. It wasn't your sin that, that made that happen. It was Adam's sin that made that happen. You were born a sinner. But through Christ, we're reborn. So sin is no longer our label, neither anything that the enemy tries to label us with. We have the power to release people. And because we know who we are, when the enemy tries to take his best shots, they end up hurting him and not us. <laughs> they hurt him. Because we will not change our confession based upon a circumstance. Because circumstances change, but the Word of God is consistent through every circumstance. And that's what gives us the power to stand and to persist in the midst of the worst storms that humanity has ever known. We're more than conquerors. I wish that when we came to the Lord, there was never any problems, that we never had any temptations. Actually, I don't wish that. <laughs> because one day we'll have that. But we have an opportunity to do right now what we won't have the opportunity to do in heaven. We have an opportunity to trust in the Word of God despite what we see, despite what we feel, despite what other people have told us, despite what the enemy has said to us. 
we have the ability to stand on the Word of God here and now when everything's not perfect. So that in perfection, it'll be written down that you stood for what you couldn't see. That your faith that was given to you, Jesus actually will get his reward. He said, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith upon the earth? Jesus asked this to his own disciples. And every time I read that, I say, by your grace, <laughs> you will. Because we won't stop. We won't change what we say because of circumstances. We will stand upon your word regardless of what it looks like because heaven and earth are both going to pass away, but your word endures forever. And I know that you cannot lie. It's only a matter of time till what was promised appears. It's going to be in my lifetime because I have promises that I'm not putting for a future. I'm bringing them into my today and saying, God, today could be that day. Today is that day. And if it doesn't happen what I'm believing for today, my confession doesn't change tomorrow. It's still found on the Word of God. The Word of God is what establishes our hearts. It's what allows us to rest. It's our strength. It's our confidence. It's the living bread which strengthens our heart, mind, and emotions. Because everything in this world is contrary to the Word. And it's for a reason. Because God instituted His Word into the earth when He gave it to humanity. He wanted us to use His Word because His Word carries His authority when you belong to Him. Let's read what Jesus says here in John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not where you go. How can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you have known me, then you should have known my Father also. And from this time forward, you know him and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father and it'll be enough. Jesus said unto him, have I been so long time with you? And yet you have not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how could you say then, show us the Father? Do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. He does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. 
I tell you the truth, I say to you, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him neither knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you I will not leave you comfortless I will come to you yet a little while and the world sees me no more but you see me because I live you shall live also at that day you shall know that I am in the father and the father in me and I in you he that has my commandments and keeps them he it is that loves me and he that loves me shall be loved of my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. This whole chapter is Jesus preparing his disciples for his departure. He's preparing them. And he's telling them that the whole reason I'm leaving is to prepare a place for you, so that where I am, there you may also be. The whole reason he was leaving is to prepare a place so that where he is, there we may be also. And he tells Philip and the other disciples that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then he says in verse 14 that the works that I do, greater works than these shall you do, because I'm going to the Father. And you think, the disciples wondering, greater works than Jesus? I mean, blind eyes healed, the deaf, they're hearing, the dumb are speaking, leopards, you're talking about miracles of restoration because Jesus made them whole. That's members and limbs coming back. Lazarus was raised from the dead. I mean, and they're thinking greater works. What is the greater works than We'll do. I mean, we've seen some great things here. What's the greater work? Jesus was going to pay a price for those disciples. And that price that he paid for those disciples and all the disciples from that time on would allow them to be filled with a substance. And he's telling them that the substance that's coming is greater than him and it's good that he goes because this substance won't just be on you it'll be in you it will be in you it's the holy spirit it's the most precious substance in heaven and earth the holy spirit is in love with humanity he always has been he has always loved us he was there when man was first created. He's the breath that came into men's lungs. He was the life force of God. The Spirit of God was walking in the garden. The fellowship that God desired to have with Adam and Eve and with all their children, that God would be a great, 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 grandpa. God was planning to be around and to have fellowship with all his kids because God wanted a family. He desired fellowship on that level. When Jesus invested himself 
that investment paid great dividends because what was released for us was the gift of the Holy Spirit that empowers you to say, I am a child of God, that empowers you to release someone else because you know that you have the power and the spirit of liberty living inside of you. We as Christians, we don't have to be bound to anything. We have the spirit of God living inside of us. We've been clothed with the Holy Spirit from the day of our conception when we said yes to Jesus. We have that Holy Spirit living inside of us. And there's no devil in hell. All the devils in hell are not strong enough to match that spirit that lives inside of you. They're afraid of him. They fear him. When someone has that, that spirit, the spirit we carry, they yell out, why are you here? Have you come to torment us before the time? They're afraid of that spirit. Do you know that man that was possessed of the Gadarenes? I was reading that story one day and I was thinking, you have a legion of devils inside of a man. Jesus is coming to the shore. It seems in my mind that they would want to get as far away from Jesus as they could. But the scripture says that that man came running and he fell at the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says that the man worshiped Jesus and the demon said, what are you doing here? And all of a sudden it dawned on me as Jesus was drawing close to the shore, those demons started losing their power. They would have loved to run away. But in the presence of Jesus, demonic things lose their power. So the man had the ability to worship Jesus who was possessed because those devils started losing their control. That's the power that we have living inside of us. The greater work, I honestly believe, is that you can give this spirit inside of you to somebody else who wants it. <laughs> it's transferable. That's what I said. Anything that God wants to put in you, referring to his self, the gift of God that he wants to put in you, he also wants to come through you. The way that we manifest the Holy Spirit is we give him place. Mercy, earlier in the week, we picked her up from camp and she said, Dad, when I was at camp, I heard my friend Chloe say something to me, but I was alone. And she called my name. And then she woke up this morning and she said, Dad, I heard my friend Bob say my name, say mercy. I said, Mimi, we call her Mimi. I said, Mimi, the Holy Spirit is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He keeps talking to you in your normal friend's voice. I said, next time, if you hear that, let him know, Holy Spirit, speak freely. And I said, say it with me. Holy Spirit, speak freely. I said, so what do you say? She said, Holy Spirit, speak freely. I said, that's right. And he'll speak to you. Because that's what he longs for. He desires to make us into the image of God's Son. He longs for it. Because he knows the value of creation. Because it's been hidden in the sun before the foundations of the earth. 
We were predestined in Christ before any of us were ever born. Christ was already supposed to be ours because there was a promise that was made. There was a payment that was paid so that we could live not as mere men, but that we could live as God on earth. Not that we are God, but the scripture says that our lives are hidden, buried in Christ. So the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Am I God? No. But do I represent him? I'm supposed to. When you see me, you're supposed to see Jesus. You're supposed to realize that there's an anointing upon our lives that operate in direct connection to the life force of God. So we're no longer strangers and pilgrims in this earth because now we're instituting a kingdom that isn't here. We're bringing it here. We're not foreigners in the kingdom of God. We may be foreigners in the earth that where the kingdom isn't established, but the whole reason we're here is to establish the kingdom of God. We're children of the king and we've been invested with the precious substance of heaven and we've been given the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus all things must bow their knee things in heaven, things on earth, things seen and things not seen. If I can't see something and I feel like it has power over me it has to bow the knee to the name of Jesus. It's my faith in that name because I bear that name. So I say at the name of Jesus, I resist you. I submit myself unto God. And because I'm submitted to God, the devil has to flee. He has no power. He lost his power the moment that I got saved. Like I said before, if he could have killed us, he would have, but he can't. He's not all powerful. He's not all knowing. He's a snake. He's deceptive. He deceived one third of the angels of God to follow him. I imagine that was a sad day in heaven. God never wanted to lose any of his creation. You know, God loves the angels just like he loves us. We're in a different class, but that doesn't mean when God created the angels, he created them. He loved them. Why did they love God? Why didn't all of them leave with Lucifer? Because they realized God loves them. Could you imagine basking in the presence of God? To know the love of Christ, which passes all understanding. They're in the presence of perfect love day and night. They're in the presence of God. Satan's ability to, to deceive was very real, and it still is very real. But Jesus said that you know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The word of God is the truth that makes us free. And when it's coupled with the Holy Spirit, we become the most powerful beings on earth. We're no longer subject to natural things. Do we have to face natural things? Yes, but we're no longer subject to them. That we have a higher order because we've been given the name that's above every name. All right, we're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is what the Apostle Paul says in chapter 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I picked 2 Timothy chapter 2 and I read it every day this whole week. I just really felt like that's what the Lord wanted me to do. So I just went through it. 
verse by verse every day this week. And it would have been on Friday this verse just jumped out at me. Verse 1. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He could have said anything. That word strong, it means increased, to grow in, established. So he's telling Timothy to grow in, to be strengthened in, to be established in the grace that is in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that when you're strong in grace, when grace is the foundation, when you're strong in grace, the building of your life pertaining to the kingdom of God, there's no limit to that. Does that make sense? There's no limit to how much you can affect societies, affect neighborhoods, affect places of employment, because when grace is the foundation, I believe that the building can go as high as we can believe for. And we can believe that all things are possible. So people in our families that we've been praying to come to the knowledge of God and they look the farthest away, you can be assured that they're the closest because you believe God that that person in your family or that you've been praying for, that the moment that you prayed for them, they were in trouble. Because of your prayers, because you have the Holy Spirit, God's not going to stop. He's not going to stop. He's going to send laborers across their path. He's going to be talking to them when they wake up. He, when they look up at the stars, they're going to be reminded of God and they don't want to. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in love with humanity. And we can be the people that set people free. And when the enemy tries to touch us, he harms himself. That's who we are. Amen. Lord Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you that you know the plans that you have for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, that our hope and our future are founded in who you are that the expected end that you have for us, that all your promises are yes and amen. And Father, I thank you that when you call us to something, you're already fully invested in it. I thank you that you invested yourself into our lives. And because of that investment, we can invest into other people's lives, that we can see real change and real freedom come because we've been set free. And I thank you that it's by our confession because we agree with what you said and what your Holy Spirit has impressed upon our hearts. We thank you for real change. We thank you for a real deliverance. We thank you, Father, for real freedom, which was given to us through your Son. We thank you for your word that it's never changing and it never loses its power. We just rejoice in the truth of who you are and who we are. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.